guys, welcome back to Pick Me, Choose Me, Podcast Me, where we are breaking down Season 1, Episode 8 of Grey's Anatomy, The Self-Destruct Button. Just be warned that this is a spoilers podcast. Also note that we are not doctors yet, or nurses yet, but we are people who are passionate about Grey's Anatomy and healthcare. So if you are new to this podcast, hi, hello, welcome. Please subscribe and rate us on whichever platform you listen to. It really does mean a lot. We also want you guys to participate, and we want to hear any comments, questions, or opinions you guys have, so please reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or email at pickmechoosemepodcastme at gmail.com. Uh, all of us is here today. Me, Haley, I am a cellular biology and pre-med student. Me, Shelby, um, I am a second-year nursing student. And me, Shayla, I am currently a working journalist. In the introduction, I talked about reaching out to us at our Gmail, and we actually did have a listener reach out to us, and it meant a lot. She asked to have her um, name not said out loud on the podcast, so I'm going to respect that and just refer to her as the listener. And Shayla and Shelby haven't heard this email. I bought it, and it was from a while ago. I'm sorry. It's it's been a while since we recorded. Like, this is from a month ago. Um, But I'll read you guys this email, and she actually has a really good point about the timeline. You know, when we discussed in the episode where we compared it to uh, Meredith only being six when the Challenger exploded? She kind of points out a plot hole in the Meredith timeline in this email. So uh, in her email, she said, Hi, girls. I want to leave a quick note of appreciation. I just discovered your podcast and have been really enjoying it. I know life is busy, but I hope you will continue to make it. I've been a long fan of the show for a while and started watching because my, all the fr- all my friends were watching it. So I rented season one to four to catch up and watched season five to 11 live. Now I keep going back and forth and watching the new seasons, but I continue to love the older ones. I love how you girls are going about the podcast and that you are explaining the medical side too. Also, as a big Meredith fan, I am liking that you are still liking Derek and Patrick at this point. A couple of other podcasts I listen to seem to hate Derek and Patrick and I don't really and don't really seem to explore the character. But this kind of keeps calling him and they keep calling him an ass all the time and it's hard for me to listen to them. Love the Meredith music you play at the end of each podcast. Thank you. And fun fact that music that we play at the end of the podcast is me actually playing the Meredith theme on piano if we didn't know that. So yeah, that's me actually playing the piano in the last little bit of each episode. And then she continues to say, I will make a point about Mare's age. I think you girls talked about in episode one or two. The Mare being born in 1978 is what they put on like the website and is kind of a recant of her age to fit the Maggie storyline. Because if we look at early storylines, she would have been born anywhere between 72 to 75. So if we go by that, they presented in the beginning, Mare would be 45 to 48 now, not 42. So in the pilot, uh, Mare's age was stated as 32 when she started her internship. And Lexi was 24 in season five. Uh, she and Mare would have been at least a six-year difference. Thatcher left when Mare was five, so he would have needed at least a year to find Susan and have Lexi. So they would have had to shave a few years off of Mare's age there. And she should have been at least 29 when an intern. So that doesn't add up to her only being 37 when Maggie joined the show. 
sorry for the rant. It was one of the plot holes that bothers me the most about the show and how they kept changing her age to fit into whatever storyline they are trying to tell. And she continues, as a fellow Canadian girl, I love that it's a Canadian girl girls doing this podcast and loving all the references. Keep up the great work and looking forward to listening to more episodes. P.S. Since you girls seem to like Patrick, I suggest watching his new show, Devils. I think it's on uh, CNW and it's really good. CW. I thought I think, <laughs> though I think it might be edited a lot for the network. So. Hmm, we'll have to give that a watch. Anything with Patrick Dempsey is well worth it. I actually watched, like, I think it was a TikTok, but it could have been something else on Facebook or whatever a couple days ago. And I sent it to Haley, and it was uh, Patrick Dempsey through the years, like, from, like, literally being a teenager to now. And I said, he literally gets more attractive with age. So uh, a new show definitely doesn't hinder his sex appeal. <laughs> Oh, that was, it was just such a cute note. I love that she's Canadian and she likes all of our little Canadian references. Mm-hmm. Also, that plot hole. That's very, like, in like she's obviously thought about that so much and I love it. <laughs> I, love- I never made that connection. No. <laughs> and let's face it, changing an age for Maggie isn't worth it. Changing anything for Maggie. We'll really get into this when she starts showing up on the show, but I am not a fan of Maggie. Her character needs to go. Yeah, I I love how in the email you can tell it just kind of ate her away and just like it, it bugs me and things like that like bother me too. So, um thank you so much for emailing us. It means actually like so much that you reached out and sent this to us. I know it took so long for us to come out with a new episode uh with this in it. It's been super long since we recorded. The last episode we recorded was literally the beginning of September. Um it's November 1st today, uh, as we're recording, but things have been a lot crazier this school year than we ever anticipated, especially with things being mostly online and Shay's working full time and Shelby's working in the hospital. So I want to take a couple moments to kind of catch us, uh, catch you guys up on our lives. Cause there was a few really big things that happened. And I know Shelby's got some really interesting stories from working in the hospital. A couple of things that have happened with my life is online classes have been absolutely insane. Uh, any university students listening um, can probably relate because to accommodate for less uh, actual face-to-face lecture time, they're giving us more assignments than they usually would. And they're like shortening exams so people don't have time to cheat. So we have like 10 times more things to do as usual. And I was really struggling. and. Actually, it wasn't until I think it was a month ago that I was diagnosed with ADHD. And it was something that I kind of had a feeling about. Um, My best friend had one of those like forms where you could go through like the self-assessment. And I remember reading through it. I'm like, wow, this this sounds a lot like me. This, This sounds a lot like me. I should look into it. And I ended up doing my own research. And uh, went to my doctor and we did all the assessments. And it turns out I do, in fact, have ADHD. This is um, a condition that is really, really underdiagnosed in women. So 
we often think of like that kid in like elementary school who's like running around all the time, like jumping up, never uh, stopping talking when we think of ADHD. Um, but it's often very uh, underdiagnosed in women because women are often less disruptive in their, uh, with this condition than men. So like, for example, like me, the biggest things is I talk a lot and it's something that I've always received flack for like growing up and like uh, people say oh Haley you you never shut up you talk so much I accidentally interrupt uh, even though I know I should I answer questions before they finish being asked I can never remember where anything is and okay I can, I can vouch for that because after living with Haley I have to make a mental note every time she puts down her glasses or her car keys, because I know 10 minutes later, she's going to ask me where they are. Mm-hmm. I, I will put something down. And I literally cannot remember for the life of me where I put it. An object permanence is a concept with people with ADHD where they, for some reason, it doesn't click properly. So we often lose things. And even though I was um, very academically successful in school, something my teachers always like critique me especially in elementary school is I could not keep a clean workspace for the life of me everything in my desk was disorganized and it was something my mom would laugh at when she would see my report cards because like she would see all like my class my grades would be like excellence 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 and then it would get to keeps a clean workspace and it would be need significant improvement <laughs> and, and and it's still the fact like no matter how much I clean my desk it's like within seconds. Um, I always got in trouble for like clicking pens, doing that. And I've managed to kind of manage the condition and still do well in school. And I think one of the things that really helped me in high school and why I was still able to succeed is because I went to a really, really tiny high school. And most of my advanced classes only had eight people on average. And we all sat on the front. And it was very... um. We were very involved in the te- with the teacher and interacting, and it was one of those where I couldn't really like fall away at the back of the classroom. And I had excellent teachers who were willing to accommodate me. Um, so like what, and I could get away with a lot of this stuff too because I was uh, I had good grades. So a lot of the teachers would just kind of let me be. They knew who I was. But my favorite teacher, I'm going to say her name because I only have like amazing things to say about Mrs. Christensen, who was my high school biology teacher. And like she would not say a word to me if I had to get up in the middle of class and go get a coffee from the gas station and come back into class because I couldn't sit through a class. And teachers like that are absolutely phenomenal. Like I, I had such great teachers in high school and I think that's the only reason I was so successful it just a major shout out to like my high school teachers who were so accommodating of me and like I understand that not everybody has that privilege because there's so many people who don't get that extra support sitting in the back of a classroom and not being noticed by the teachers when they start to drift off or they start to get distracted so that's kind of um, my note. Um, if anybody is interested in things about ADHD, I'm going to post it on our Facebook page because, I mean, it was actually on TikTok that I was scrolling through. And there's so many women who weren't actually diagnosed until adulthood with ADHD. 
and they didn't realize these had these conditions just because they weren't disruptive. I'm going to post that on our Facebook page. I'll probably put something on our Instagram story as well. Um, I think that's pretty much my update. I already took up a lot of the speaking time. So I'm going to turn it over to Shelby. How is the hospital going, working during COVID? Oh, God, it's so busy. Um, so in September, because it's been so long since we've done one of these, um, I was at a hospital in Edmonton for five weeks on their one of their addiction and mental health units. And I absolutely loved it. I feel like there's so many um, stereotypes regarding how like a mental hospital or like a psych ward should be. And they're all absolutely wrong. Um, The nurses and doctors, like the psychiatrists, they were so welcoming, which was something new to me because previous units I've worked on, the doctors never really interacted with any of the other staff. So I loved seeing how at the start of a shift, the doctors would walk up to the nurses and ask them about their dog that recently went to the vet or just little things about the nurses' personal lives. And it shows that they actually care about each other and they actually are working together well, which is how a shop, like, which is how working in a hospital should be. But I haven't actually had to like had the experience like that before. So I absolutely loved it there. Um, I'm no longer at that hospital anymore. Uh, with school, I'm doing three different five week rotations this semester. So my first five weeks, I was on the addiction and mental health unit. My current five weeks, um, I am on a acute medicine unit at a different hospital. And that is also going very, very well, very busy. Um, and then my last five weeks, I will be on another medicine unit in a different hospital again. In mm-hmm. So, and uh, let's not forget that Alberta just had a major health care worker walkout because our provincial government has decided to make major, major cuts to our health care system during a pandemic. Including cutting 11,000 health care workers yeah, 11, across the province. 11,000 health care workers lost their job in a pandemic when they are uh, needed most. And I mean, if you're not Albertan, you're probably not as updated on uh, the provincial politics here, but there has been a lot of contention about um, our education system and especially our healthcare system getting major cuts in a time when really it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's kind of like a big FU to all of the healthcare workers because during a global pandemic, everybody's like, oh my God, I need this or I need that in the hospital, please help me. And then now that things are kind of starting to even out a little bit, they're just kind of like, we're just going to cut all your jobs. Yeah. It's like so rude. Yeah. And they're doing a lot of cuts in favor of like privatization and like hiring private companies to come in and do like laundry service and food services and all this kind of stuff, which is. Mm -hmm. And, and as much as we love, our, our American listeners, we have a lot of um, mostly American listeners 
we, we love you guys. Um, we we don't necessarily want your healthcare system. We do like our our free healthcare, so we don't like that our um our provincial government's really trying to privatize it. Like they cut the part that bothered me is they cut um age funding, and that is our disability social program. Um, so people with severe disabilities can get support, and they they cut it. They cut most of the funding for it. The people who are most vulnerable during the pandemic now have even less support than before. But I feel kind of bad complaining about our politics right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, who, I mean, as we record this, we're like two days away from the American election. Honestly, and... I just wish you all luck. Um, to stay may safe. the odds be ever in your favor. I think no matter who wins, there's going to be a pretty much an uproar um, in the U.S. And I actually saw videos of like people like boarding up their shops. So I think, oh, it's it's a sticky situation in the U.S. It's it's going to be interesting. And I feel and something like um, I've been involved in. I really apologize to the women who or I guess I have nothing to apologize for, but I feel the greatest sympathy for the women who feel like their bodily autonomy is in danger. Now that we've spent um, about 20, 20 minutes just kind of uh, chatting, do we want to get into this episode? Mm-hmm. We sure do. Okay. This episode, do we want to start with our morning rounds? And then we can get more into patients later? Or do we yeah, want to start with it. the introduction? Okay. So, morning rounds. Um, I didn't take as many detailed notes as I should have, but I get more into these patients later in the episode. First one is Devo, who has excessive bleeding post-root canal. She is a 17-year-old female with a significant new heart murmur and is on antibiotics. And she is Alex's patient this episode. Shelby probably has more notes than me. Do you want me to, like, get into details right now? I have more details later as well. Like, I actually go on to what uh, Von Willebrand's disease is. I think this is good just for um, a quick overview of what we're expecting. And then Mr. Walker's Derek's patient, and he has spreading paralysis. I forgot to write down the name of Izzy's patient. Izzy and Christina's patient. The psychic. This is an episode I remember just because this patient and I. God, I didn't write down. I forgot to write down his name. I literally wrote down all of their names. Yeah, this is the psychic who uh, got transferred down to their unit because he's having seizures, and they're like, "No, no, no, he's a psych patient. Take him back. Take him back. We don't want him." And he's like, "No, he's your patient. He's having seizures, and meanwhile, he's having psychic visions, and he knows weird things. And this is kind of I love this." this character uh this episode and i this is i think my favorite storyline in this episode is following this patient yeah because he genuinely puts all the doctors who are interacting with him like at unease because they're like their medical science-based brains want to say just it's seizures it's medical like it's psychiatric but he keeps making points about their lives that he should not know about. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then 
Who do we want to start with? Do we want to start with Meredith? She always seems to be like an easy one to start with. Or do we want to start with Izzy? Oh, let's go Mare. Okay, Meredith. It starts off with Meredith asking Derek if she can sleep at his house for once instead. Because Derek is always staying at Meredith's. And it was actually there for like a whole week. And I get that though. Like, I kind of get Derek's point. Like, I mean, I'd rather... Kenny comes to my house, then I go to his just because I'm I'm a homebody. I like having my stuff nearby. Like, but I see Meredith's point. She hasn't seen his house. She doesn't know anything about him. She doesn't know where he lives and she doesn't understand. Okay, this is a little bit like of a red flag. Why won't he tell me anything about his life? And why haven't I seen where he lives? Maybe he has a secret girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's secretly married. Something. I don't know. I think it's funny that they bug him about eating cereal every yeah, morning I love for that. breakfast. <laughs> they're like it's almost like they're teasing him for being like an old man. Just to like <laughs> to get some sort of jab in. Because yeah, like the roommates are like there's nothing else they have on. Because he's so perfect in every other way. They have to they're pulling at strings. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you know what I'll bug him about? <laughs> And then when they get to the hospital and, like, Meredith is kind of uh, interrogating him about his life, I notice that Derek is wearing black scrubs. Have you ever seen him wear, like, black scrubs before? That is a good point. Like, it's always, it's always the navy blue scrubs. It's always the dark blue scrubs. Now I'm going to have to watch for that. And he was wearing black scrubs. Maybe Where did scrubs these scrubs come dirty? from? I don't know. Where'd they come from? Where did they go? Where'd they, they come, come from, from Cotton Eye Joe? Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we like okay. this? <laughs> oh, I made a note. I made a note because I remember when me and Shelby were first watching this episode, we paused because we heard something outside our window. This is the part where we pause the show. And we turned off the lights in your room and we were creepily watching those teenagers oh outside of our house like some old geezers. They were being really noisy. And we heard them getting in and out of this vehicle over and over again. Yeah, and we they were like, yelling. And I wasn't sure what was happening. So we yeah, turned we were all the lights on off. These. And we went into my bedroom because my bedroom window faces out front. And these drunk teenagers were like chasing each other like around this car and like jumping in and out of doors. And we're like, what are they doing and it was at that point we stopped to consider and we're like what are we doing as we're like creepily <laughs> peeping out my window just watching them right. and then they drove away and we realized that we should probably come back to yeah they were they were That's obviously drunk that. every thursday night it was a couple years ago so when i was living here and i had a different roommate um Haley wasn't living here yet but every thursday night the neighbors Kids must have had, I don't know, band practice because they'd always be like unloading like drums and guitars and everything every Thursday night into that house. And then I they must have just invited their like horde of girls to fangirl over them or something. Because every Thursday night, without fail, when I was sitting down to watch Grey's Anatomy, here comes the giggling girls, hee 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 all filing and getting into their cars right in front of our place. I can't hear a single thing on the TV because they're all like flirting with each other so loud from my sidewalk. It was every Thursday to annoy the crap out of me on Grey's Night. I'm like, 
Not on Grey's Night. <laughs> Anything that interferes with Grey's Anatomy needs to go. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, that was just a funny note. I noticed that I like took notice of that in my notes. Um, so anyhow, he's talking to Meredith, and I I love the line that where she's like, I'm not flexible. And he's like, gets that spring. He's like, well, there I disagree. I'm like, oh, you you cheeky bastard. <laughs> you cheeky bastard. I I love those little comments. That's that's the things of Meredith that I miss so dearly now. Mm-hmm. So then we get to uh the patient and Derek is first to see him. Uh, Meredith isn't actually with him at this point. But Derek gets to Mr. Walker. And he can't feel anything below his thigh. And he can't wiggle his toes, even though he could 10 minutes previous. Um, And this patient had fallen during rock climbing. The paralysis is moving pretty fast. And Meredith thinks that the patient's symptoms are psychosomatic. Which means... It's in his head in a very simplistic way. It's um, something mentally going on and manifesting physically. At this point, the psychic guy jumps in and is like, it's not in your head, man. I believe you. It's not in your head. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> and I can only imagine how scary that would be for the patient, though. No, would be. It would be really scary. Like, it would feel like you were, like, slowly being suffocated or drowning because you can feel like the paralysis like slowly like creeping up your body and yourself slowly losing feeling really it would be the opposite of that you're not feeling the paralysis go up you're losing the feeling <laughs> oh, that's even worse. The paralysis going up <laughs> that's worse the loss of motion progresses to his hands so derek ends up canceling the second mri the first MRI didn't show anything. So he cancels the second one and tells the nurse to book an OR for an exploratory spinal surgery, which is very serious, right? Anytime you go into surgery is a big, big decision because every surgery has a risk, right? And especially a spinal surgery where they don't know what they're looking for and they're going to be digging around in your back. So in the exploratory surgery, they're looking for a hematoma, which is a blood clot. Yeah, essentially, it's um a hematoma is a fancy word for bleeding, and the hematoma would be putting pressure on the spine, which would be causing the paralysis. Mm-hmm. So they need to get that out to hopefully prevent permanent damage, and they need to get it out as soon as they can. So after they find the hematoma. And they fix the patient. Um, Meredith is a little bit shocked at herself in that she tried to talk Derek out of performing the surgery. And she's telling this to the other interns. And Alex says, basically, you tried to kill the guy. And Christina's like, basically, you're an ass. (laughs) I love them. I love Christina so much. Makes me so sad when she leaves. Um, so the patient's feeling ends up returning, which is really, really good. Like that was the best possible outcome. And the patient thanks her for believing him. And he moves her finger. And I'm like, can you imagine like how Meredith is feeling right now? She's like, I, if someone wasn't there to prevent the fuck up, I would have fucked up. I would have let this patient get paralyzed and possibly die. 
And that's, you can tell that's eating at her this episode is that she made a mistake, but if there wasn't someone there to correct it, like her misdiagnoses would have made this patient situation just so much worse. And you know what? That's, that's her being an intern. That's part of being an intern. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get the diagnoses right every time. That is why there's the attending there to make sure that you are doing the right thing. You are delivering the proper treatment. And this is why interns aren't making the big decisions. Yeah, that's why there's the chain. And it's all about learning and educating and not severely punishing when somebody makes like that wrong diagnosis. You know, they didn't threaten to kick Meredith out of the program. They're like, no, this is why it has to be this way and that kind of thing. It's all a part of learning, right? Um, and pretty much that patient is most of Meredith's storyline this episode, but in the end, she finally gets to see where Derek lives. And he's in the trailer! And and I think it's cute that he starts telling her, like, random facts about himself as, like, he's walking her to the trailer. And I think it's, it's cute. I think it's funny, too, how that trailer starts, like, making its way through a lot of the characters um, during its time on the show because we have Alex after Derek correct yeah and then we have Owen Hunt lives in it oh don't forget like um Arizona and Callie use it as like a romantic getaway spot the one time yeah um Hunt lives in it for a long time (laughs) yeah how many people have had sex in that trailer oh Dr. Weber was living out there, not in the trailer, but oh, do you yeah. remember when oh, yeah, he Weber was living yeah. there? Um, when they helped, everybody was there when they built and the Derek deck. Was doing oh, his laundry. When the guys I the loved deck. when they were building the deck to the new house. Yeah, because Meredith's house uh, and Meredith and Derek's house ended up replacing the trailer, but yeah, out at that location. I love Which this. is way in the future. Yeah, but, but the, the trailer is just Let's such just an say the trailer has seen some action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how are those uh, support beams still uh, working with right. how many people have been in that trailer? And so many different, like, not only just the different characters who live in there, but, like, their relationship phases, too. Because Derek was in that trailer when he was with Nurse Rose and with Meredith and with Addison. <laughs> like... <laughs> And, and then Owen his sister was, was in the trailer. Oh, yeah, the sister stayed there. Um, Owen was in there. The with trailer Amelia, with too. Amelia and the doctor he dated before Amelia, the one oh, he right. met at that carnival thing, and Christina. Like, <laughs> right. Everybody makes it round. Like, I mean, like, I thought Owen got around in the show, but the trailer's seen more than he has, right? I mean, they might as well start calling the trailer um, the Boom Boom Room like they do it in Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> at this point. <laughs> no, that's the on-call room. There, yeah. there are the Boom Boom Rooms. <laughs> and I mean, I want to dive a little bit into Derek and like why we think he had kept uh, so much of his life private. And I mean, obviously, he's still married. (laughs) Um, But also, I think he's probably a little bit tentative. I think he's got such strong feelings for Meredith. And he's aware that Addison's still in the background. And he wants to be, have a fresh start with Meredith. And he wants to dive fully into a new life with Meredith. But he's also scared to let her into his life. 
Because he he's to, got so much history. Well, I think he wants her to really like him before the big news gets out so she doesn't run away. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of Derek, like we see throughout the series, he really genuinely does enjoy like camping and fishing and being at one with nature. And I think right now, um, like there's so many things going on in his life from running away from like Addison and Mark and his old life and being in Seattle now with Meredith and his job, it's almost like being alone in the woods is where he can find comfort and solace and maybe stop to think and be alone with what comes next for him. Right. And that's something he had always critiqued about his previous life with uh, Addison is he was always busy. He never got to stop. He never got to spend genuine time with her. And that was a big part that led to her affair. And obviously it's never your really your fault when you get cheated on but ultimately they said yeah it sucks we never had time for each other we never made that Mm -hmm. space for ourselves and I think him having that trailer is him making space not to mention like he's moving he moved from New York which is a busy place busy city like to come to Seattle location that has all this like greenery and woods and all that he's taking advantage of it and I mean, honestly, um, I've been to uh, a few American cities, uh, not very, very many, but like I've been to like um, Anaheim, I've been to Chicago, um, I've been in the te- uh, the Texas airport, Houston airport, yeah, somewhere in there. But I've also <laughs> Texas airport, <laughs> not whatever. More than one um, I did get to spend like. Um, good amount of time in like Chicago for for hockey that for a hockey tournament that was cool but I've been to Seattle and I gotta tell you I did love Seattle if I had to choose an American city to live I think that's where I'd go yes Seattle's gorgeous Mm -hmm. but it also like it's similar it's very similar to uh Vancouver I do love Mm -hmm. Seattle and I can see why he enjoyed living there so if I had to choose an American city to live in I'd probably choose Seattle those are all my comments about kind of that was kind of a shared thing between Derek and Meredith. Derek and Meredith, yeah, because there isn't much else to say. Yeah, their their storyline this episode is pretty much like treating that patient and slash Meredith finally finding out a few things about Derek. She'll find out more yeah. next episode, but <laughs> well, and I feel like Meredith, which it's unfortunate that the shit hits the fan next episode for Meredith because I feel like Derek, like letting her in on where he lives, was kind of like Meredith feeling like the okay to she's like, okay, we can take the next step now. It was like almost something clicked for her, like in their relationship. She's like, all right, we're ready to take like this next move forward. Mm-hmm. She she's at this point pretty fully invested and I that helps uh wheel the the devastation that we get to see the following episode so do we want to start with Christina before Izzy just because Christina gets the patient first sure at the very end of last episode we get uh to see that Christina is pregnant and this episode, she starts out at a clinic where she is booking in for an appointment for an abortion. And the clinic worker is really insistent that she reconsiders. And I wanted to just kind of take a pause to acknowledge the women in Poland right now who are out on the streets marching 
because abortion just got outlawed. And because those politicians who want the government out of their backyards, that they don't want monitoring the little aspects of their life, are okay with them governing women's bodies. What they do with their own bodies. So these women are out there on the streets right now. And I just want to acknowledge and like appreciate those women for standing up for themselves and fighting for their own rights. Yeah, the women and allies that are on the mm-hmm. street um, protesting. It's devastating, obviously, because you know why they're having to march, but also it's, like, awe-inspiring because it's, like, we will rise up. And, like, we, I think it's 2020. And at this point, it's to govern anybody's rights to their own body is ridiculous. Like, and nobody takes, I mean, it's a subject that I'm super passionate about. And the fact that nobody would even think to flip the coin and govern male bodies over something. Like, oh no, you're not allowed vasectomies. That's abolished now. You can't abolish vasectomies because that would stop children from being born. You know, like, if somebody was to try to impose that, there would be uproars. But it's fine to do it to women. The world is very chaotic right now, and I think um, sometimes reading the news can be a little bit overwhelming and seeing those things, and everybody has, like, different methods of handling it. Like, I like to kind of deep dive, and things that bring me comfort is fully understanding a situation, but for some people, that might be overwhelming. So it is okay to turn off your phone and just take a few Uh, a little bit of time to yourself to breathe and calm down because the world is right now a very, very overwhelming place. There are a lot of things going on. It can be very scary and very anxiety-inducing, so don't be afraid to just take your time. If you are not, you are not a bad person if you need to shut the news out for a little bit. Honestly, the world is a little effed up right now everywhere. Yeah. So... So take your time for your own mental health. And I mean, in general, for this episode, for Christina's uh, role in this episode, a big theme for her is actually the freedom of choice. And we'll see that with her patient later in this episode, because her patient also utilizes her freedom of choice to decide to keep the baby instead of undergoing cancer treatment. So let's start with our uh, deep dive into Christina. She is first um, given the patient who is having seizures and is getting passed off from psych to neuro uh, because he says his seizures are visions and he is psychic. So he has a, a, a seizure, I say with quotation marks, seizure during their exam and he says someone will check out on the fourth floor. And sure enough, there is a code blue on the fourth floor announced over the speakers. I mean, and then I love how, like, immediately, like, Christina, and I think, was it Meredith who was with her? Who was with her in the room? I think it was Meredith. They're like, it's coincidence. It's coincidence. We're going to ignore that. Then, of course, it's a hospital. Everybody's dying in a hospital. And I like how, I shouldn't say I like how mean she is, but... I mean, it's also like Christina, and it adds a comedic factor, how mean she is to the psychic patient. Like, they're trading quips back and forth until they said, I wouldn't have picked you for the mommy track nurse, Betty. 
which absolutely like stuns Christina. Like usually it takes a lot for Christina to be so taken aback that she doesn't have a comeback to something. Right. She's just kind of floored and uh you can see in the her eyes too slightly alarmed. She's like, How does he know? Mm-hmm. And I think she's not so much worried that this psychic weirdo managed to like pick up on a truth about her rather than like I think in her mind too she thinks she's like because she doesn't believe that he's actually psychic so if he knows that she's pregnant how did he hear it and from who so I think there's like that aspect Mm, too that's a or because she doesn't actually believe that he has psychic abilities that and she's like well you heard this gossip about this person from like the nurse's gossip like you can overhear people so she's like who's gossiping about me and knows that I'm pregnant and how did that get out and will it get out to Burke before I can tell that's a really good point I never actually thought of that yeah I just thought she was shooketh (laughs) I mean there's a bit of that too but I think there's that aspect too where she's like do other people know that's a really good point I never thought of that and so obviously she's like I need a different case. I need office case right away. And he was like, we don't, we don't do trade season. And he's like, I want to get in there. I'm going to like, no, I want to prove this guy that he's not a psychic. And as he's like, I want to, I want to fight. And, and he was like, just do it, do whatever you want. And so Christina and Izzy switch patients. And then who does Christina get? She gets a, the pregnant patient. Um, so she can't seem to get away from pregnancy in this episode. It's just a recurring theme to her. And she's just like, God damn it. Uh, especially since this patient has cancer. So they are delivering the news to this patient that she will have to terminate her pregnancy in order to treat her cancer. Yang's patient is talking to her about the challenges she experienced getting pregnant. And it was a really long, like, it was a really long process. Like, some people have a really rough time, like, getting pregnant. And they mm-hmm. go through all the treatments. And they spend all this time. And, it, and like, I, it would be so heart-wrenching to finally, finally get pregnant when that's, like, all you want. And then be like, oops, sorry, gal. You got cancer. It's not going to pan out for you. It would be like her whole world just, like, crashing down. Yeah. Yeah, not like getting cancer isn't enough of like a blowback where it's like it's such a big thing that it would be your whole world crashing. But it's like winning $60 million in a lottery and asteroid crashes into the earth and destroys everything the next day. Like, (laughs) that's a very... (laughs) Well, it's just like, it's so like, it's like you get everything you kind of want and then it's like... It's like you get a fine, be like, oh, sorry, this money. Or it's like, sorry, there was a mistake. We're taking away all your money. Oh, by the way, it looks like you're in debt. We're taking your house, too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You just feel for her. Yeah. And so, like, I was getting a little bit frustrated with Yang. And and at this point in the series, like, Christina is emotionally stunted. Yeah. Right? She doesn't know how to properly... Uh, have empathy for others and she's a little I'm gonna say a little bit narcissistic like and as much as like I love Christina I don't mean to be too negative towards her but she is narcissistic and she doesn't have empathy in the beginning of the series it is something that is the biggest growth point for her later on um but she doesn't understand this patient at all 
So she lacks empathy. And she also treats the patient poorly because of it. Mm-hmm. Like, she makes the patient feel like crap about her decision later. Yeah, but I pa- really like that the patient stands up for herself. Yeah, the patient's quality of care was definitely hindered because of the fact that Christina was putting her own opinions and like not forcing it on the patient but kind of she like one of the things you have to try to do with people in the healthcare system is you have to remain unbiased mm-hmm. and Christina does not do that in this episode her care is very biased based on what she is experiencing and what she is believing and that impacts the care that the patient received and that is a no-no. I mean, nobody's perfect. It's going to happen occasionally, but it's not what you strive for working in healthcare. You try to remain unbiased. Mm-hmm. And Christina is rational to a fault because she is just like well, this makes sense logically, so I refuse to understand how anybody could ever think differently than me because I am so logical. And so, I mean, I love that she kind of gets put in her place when she uh, makes a comment to the patient where she's like, if you want to live, and the patient cuts her off, honey, that's what I'm doing. When she decides to keep her baby and not undergo the cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. that was a bold decision by the patient and another reason why bodily autonomy is so important. Because, obviously, doctors can do what they think will save your life. There's a reason why bodily autonomy is one of the key principles in healthcare. Because if a person doesn't want to undergo a treatment, it is so unethical to force them or if they want to go don't want to go through some sort of physical experience it is unethical to force them to yet a corpse has more bodily autonomy than women in certain countries right now because you still can't do anything to a corpse without permission explicit permission signed from them either before their death or their families mm-hmm yeah, so that's a, that's a huge thing for Christina. This episode, I am really proud of the patient yes. in this situation. Like, that's a big decision to make. That is a very big decision because there was a good chance of her being able to uh, beat this cancer because they had found it pretty early on and she's still fairly young. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows how much she is sacrificing to be able to follow through with his pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So good good on her. Oh, she's another patient we forgot to mention in the morning rounds. Well, she's in morning rounds now. <laughs> she, that, that was our morning rounds. That, that, that whole coverage. So yeah, that was all my comments on Christina. Yeah, I think Christina's obviously going through a lot. Like, she's making a hefty decision um, about her life. But she's certain on what she wants. But, yeah, the way she's going about it, and she's definitely not removing her personal emotions from the situation. Yeah, I just have one little thing to add. Yeah. Um, It's not really about Christina, but Christina says it. So I'm going to talk about it now. There's one scene, I think it's closer to the beginning, after Christina gets her the appointment date booked for... 
sorry. <laughs> I don't know if the microphone caught that. Um, that meow. Well, my cat was crawling onto my lap, and Shayla snatched her away. And, and she, she made a coup. She yelled. All right, continue, Shelby. Um, so there's an interaction between Christina and George, fairly close to the beginning of the episode, right after Christina books her next doctor's appointment. Uh-huh. And Christina asks George if he can cover her shift on the 16th. Um, because that's the day that she has her next appointment. Yeah. But when ever have they not worked? together what do you mean can you cover my shift on this day you always have the same shifts every day how is that a thing <laughs> yeah. they don't it's not it's not like shift work where like one works this day and the other one has that day off they're always working together every day this is true it doesn't it didn't make sense that's true that's why speaking of george do we do we want to talk about george yeah, I like George. Let's talk about him and his mishaps this episode. So, like, meanwhile, as Christine and George are talking, in that scene that Shelby's talking about, I'm trying to get close to the mic while also not, like, disturbing my cat who's kneading my lap. Um, <clears throat> and so George sees McDreamy walk by and starts talking to Christina about, maybe I should, like, let my hair grow out. And uh, maybe I should grow a little bit of stubble. That's like, oh, George. Yeah, to give him more of a... George, I love you, look. but you're you're not McDreamy. So a lot of his, his uh, theme in this episode is kind of like still being all moony-eyed after Meredith. But like George's theme for like... Yeah. But we finally get to see him start to develop some interest in someone who will end up being like a staple character. Um, Nurse Olivia. <laughs> yes. Don't you love how nurses are portrayed in this show, Shelby? I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm a little more enthusiastic. For you like, the nurses in Grey's Anatomy, like, literally do nothing. Except, like, stab doctors in the hand when Nurse Rose comes along. And Yeah, yeah or, like, watch and they're like, oh... You need to put that line in, George. <laughs> like, I think there's one episode where she's standing and she's like, Doctor, you need to get this IV in or something. <laughs> it's like, Doctors don't do IVs. <laughs> um, note to self, if you're ever in a hospital, if you need an IV in, don't be that person who asks a doctor to put in your ID because nurses are just in general better at it. That's literally what they do all freaking day and if you act to ask a doctor to do that they'll be like shit i did this in like med school like 12 years ago <laughs> why didn't why me so in this episode george is having trouble intubating a patient with um a short fat neck as alex describes <laughs> uh, so eloquent alex uh george is obviously very anxious and alex being an absolute ass to him is not helping whatsoever and then Burke the jerk makes a return. You can kind of see him like lurking outside the patient room watching. And then Burke the jerk. Um, just when you start to like him. Just when you start to like Burke a little bit. He he becomes this guy again. They were panicking 
before and like I don't know this whole scene like in the beginning of intubating this guy they were panicking and like rushing have, and then they ended up taking the sweet words. time I have, I have words <laughs> I have words about this scene go for it Shelby oh my god so they're freaking <laughs> out because his pulse ox level is 87% granted that's not great but it's not <laughs> freaking out panic we have to intubate the patient no it's like hmm your oxygen levels in your blood is a little bit low can you take a couple deep breaths for me okay it went back up thanks that's literally all they had to do <laughs> you're, you're, like you're granted it should be 100% but 95 to 100% is kind of like that normal range. And then the 90 to 95% is like not great, but like also normal for some people. So whenever you drop below like 91, I'll say, you might want to like think about intervening, you know, come up with some interventions. But, you know, sometimes it's just the position that a person is laying in. Like first thing in the morning when I wake up my patient's, to do their morning assessment and vital signs. Sometimes their pulse ox levels, or sorry, their oxygen levels. Why do I, why am I saying pulse ox? That's not <laughs> correct. I'm not doing their pulse. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It, for context, Shelby was up until 3 a.m. last night. And I'm slightly like, hungover. Yeah, she's a little hungover. I'm trying we, we're gonna We're going to give Shelby a little bit of a the benefit of a doubt this episode. I'm trying my best. But yeah, you just got to like sit them up a little higher so they're not laying flat. Tell them to take a few deep breaths and those oxygen saturation levels, they'll, they'll go back up again. Like there's no intubation. No, maybe, maybe put on a nasal cannula at 1%, like 1%, like 1 liter. Like no, not intubation. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Um, and then, sorry. And then after they intubate this person, they're not begging him. <laughs> I'm sorry. You intubated this person because they're having trouble breathing. And then you don't actually let them breathe. You're, you're killing him. You're not squeezing the bag. <laughs> like, like they don't squeeze. He, George is holding the bag and he's not squeezing it no it's not hard we'd probably be brain dead at this point it's not hard guys yeah so <laughs> sorry Shaley, i don't know i was go gonna now. i was literally just gonna say i think you mentioned something about the bags later in this scene um but yeah it's funny that consistency <laughs> i never would have picked up on it had you not said anything like it's one of those things i just didn't notice so yeah it's safe to say george is in a very bad mood after this and just in general and christina tells him he needs to get laid because he's so grumpy and she points out olivia and like 
Is it just like me? This is a scene where they're all all the interns are kind of there, but like everybody is so high strung. Like George is tweaking. Alex is sarcastic, and Izzy's like so defensive because she's still on the case of like the psychic guy, and she's like, he's not a psychic. I'm gonna figure out what this is. So it's like everybody's so high strung and doing their different things in the scene, and it just kind of like was subtly chaotic. Also, I think I remember with this scene, like, because Alex ends up doing pretty decent in it, right? I can't, honestly, I can't remember. He just scene. kind of makes one F up that kind of um, gets mad at him. Anyway, yeah, Alex is always trying to like assert his dominance over George in terms of like his skills and being like and better than George prowess. and being just like better in like as a better doctor basically. Like he's always trying to assert that George knows nothing and Alex knows everything. And I think this is another one of those scenes that like sets us up for Harden and Elevator. Um, oh yeah, down the road where like Alex is always trying to assert his like medical dominance and knowledge over George, even if he doesn't have the correct answer. And then we see that all come back to slap him in the face and Harden and Elevator down the road. Mm-hmm. And like even later in this episode, George corners Alex to ask him how Alex gets so many women. And I kind of love Alex in this scene. I don't know why he's like so jovial this episode, but he he's excited about like the bovine valve still, um, which we'll get into later. Yeah, he's um, on a high. But he was like, he's like, you got dance and jab, George. Dance and jab. Dance and jab. And he's like prancing down the hallway and you're like, okay. Okay, buddy. And then later in the episode... George gets called into a patient room by Olivia, the nurse he has a thing for, um, to intubate, which was successful this time, and he and he finally gets a chance to flirt. Um, and I love like later in the scene how he finally sarcastically takes Alex's sarcastically offered condom, and he's like, "Condoms are in the pocket, George. If you need one." He starts to walk away, and like George grabs him and like takes the condom out of his pocket, and I'm like. Oh man, George is very like um insecure about his masculinity. I think in in general, I think he he's got a lot of like insecurities like with his women with women and like not being liked back by the people he loves. And yeah. so, and I mean, and I guess that leads into later in the series when uh, Callie is like in love with him and he's not used to having women like pursue him. And I think like a lot of the mistakes. Yes. I think the mistakes he makes later in his relationships stems a lot from his own insecurity because he's not used to women pursuing him. So of course, when like Callie pursued him because she was so into him, he was so gung-ho and things moved a lot faster than they should have. And then with Izzy, and uh, he's not used to all these beautiful women being like so into him and he makes mistakes. And not that well, it's ever an excuse for an affair. And I think but it, it comes took, a lot from insecurity and his masculinity. I think that's why it took so long for George to recognize that Callie was into him was because he's so insecure. And then of course what with what happens with Meredith, it like destroyed whatever shed confidence he had in his masculinity and so that I think that's what took him so long to recognize anything with Callie was actually happening 
you just you feel for George because like you get where he's coming from. Yeah, and then I mean, next episode we get to see him punch Alex in the face over Olivia. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm right. excited for that. I'm excited for that. Wait for the punching. So that's kind of all my comments on George. Anybody got anything else? Nope, that's about it. Do we want to talk Alex or Izzy next? We have both of them to get through next. Yeah. We got a a full episode. Yes. I mean, we're already partially talking about Alex. Do we want to jump into him? Yeah, let's continue because Alex was in the scenes with George more than Izzy. Alex has our patient, Devo. And I like when they um, talk about her name and she said, uh, and he asked what it's from. And she's like, it's some 80s rocker. My parents did too much a blow. I call myself Esther. <laughs> I, I died. Love, you know what? And I love like him in this episode in general because I think it's a lot of foreshadowing for him as a pediatric surgeon just because he's so good with kids and with teenagers. And he's just not with adults. Yeah. So, I mean, I love seeing him in the episodes where he's actually working with, um, like, young patients because you can actually see how good of a doctor he is. And I do have, like, a little note in here because I watched this episode with uh, Shelby. And I remember, like, pausing this scene, like, every two seconds so Shelby could, like, note the random shit Alex was doing in this scene. Oh my god, yes. I pick up on all of these really small little details because they're doing everything wrong. (laughs) Okay, so if I was a nurse and I had Devo as my patient, I would go in and do a morning assessment on her. And I would do a head-to-toe assessment. You'd kind of like look at all of everything, see if anything's looking funky. If something's funky, you'll do an extra assessment on that, and then you'll tell the doctor to maybe look at that when they come in. When he comes into this room, he starts doing the randomest things. He listens to her posterior lung sounds, and then doesn't listen to the anterior ones. (laughs) Then he goes straight to palpating her thyroid gland. Don't know why. Couldn't tell ya. Um, And then he just palpates her abdomen, and that was his assessment. And I was like, I'm sorry, sir. What? What is that? Not only is that, like, why? So random. I'm just going to listen to, like, some of your lungs, and then I'm going to touch your thyroid gland, and then I'm going to poke your stomach. Yeah, you look great. No. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no! (laughs) With this patient, um, the tests are indicative of von Willebrand's disease. Um, which explains the excessive bleeding. So von Willebrand disease, or VWD, is a genetic disorder caused by missing or defective von Willebrand factor, which is a clotting protein. So VWF binds factor, factor eight, which is a key clotting protein. I'm, I'm going to try to skip some of the um, more um, cellular biology jargon here to try to explain it. Um, but essentially this is a key clotting protein and platelets in the blood vessel walls, which help form the platelet plug during like the clotting process. So that what stops you from bleeding. Anyhow, that protein is missing, which helps the platelets clot to stop you from bleeding. So this is why she can't stop bleeding. 
And that is why she's having a heart murmur. She can't have a mechanical valve when she needs a valve replacement. So they suggest a porcine valve, which is a pig valve. And as the patient is an Orthodox Jew, this is a problem for her. And I mean, I'm not going to go too into her religion because I'm not very familiar with Judaism. So I don't want to misspeak on anything with a religion. But if someone who is Jewish is listening to this podcast, can you email us or like send us a comment on like why um, like the porcine valve is a no-go and like what what the pig has to do? Because I literally know nothing about Judaism. Um, I'm not a religious person and I'm genuinely curious. So if they don't eat pig meat. I know, but why? They would be putting it in their body regardless. I know, but why? But I'm guessing that it's either based on that pig is, like, a dirty animal that's associated sometimes with, like, I don't know, the devil or whatever. Or it could be sacred animal. It could be totally different, like the pie, yeah. like how the so, cow is in India. So if you're Jewish, like, please email us. We're, we're curious. I probably should have looked this up, but... I want to. I want to hear from um, your perspective. Um, so anyhow, the patient is very against the porcine valve, and Alex has like the worst time to jump in when they talk about like the Passover plagues. I got a good chuckle like when he was reciting them when Burke is talking to the patient, and you can see Alex like muttering to himself like like oh under his breath like trying to remember like the Passover plague. I lifted up. It's because pigs are considered unclean. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. They are cannibals. Yeah. So are people, though. Um, Not good people. (laughs) Not good people. (laughs) The Torah allows eating only animals that both chew their cud and have cloven hooves. Pork is prohibited. Oh. Oh, so wait. So, like, horses would also be, like, a no-go. I don't know. Because they don't have... So, like, how would that work if, like, your insulin is, like, um, derived from horses? That is a question for our Jewish listeners. If you are just, please, this is, like, a big curiosity of mine. This is going to bug me now. Like, because we're genuinely curious. Like, we're not judging no, in no. any way. Every religion has their I'm just like for certain. Because I'm wondering, now I'm wondering, like, what, like, how that, like, affects, like, patient treatment. So, if anybody knows the answer, like. Please, please email us because I'm I'm curious. Although like Alex is seemingly immature, uh, he actually had a really great conversation with the the patient. And this is like again, like he's meant to be a ped surgeon, but he makes the mistake of telling the patient about the bovine valve before telling Doctor Burke, <laughs> and he he way overstepped like. And Burke was right to give him shit for this. Like, Alex should not have overstepped in this way. Like, but I have a question. Do you think he was justified to uh, be kicked off the case for this? No, Burke's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, It's another thing with, like, learning, I think. Um, Overstepping and knowing what you can say to the patients and what you can't. And I think a stern talking to would have been sufficient for Alex to have been like, oh, my bad. I shouldn't have done that. Um, But I think that there is still a lot of learning opportunities to be had for Alex with that patient. So 
kicking him off the case would be compromising his learning, mm-hmm. essentially, because he did have a good connection with the patient and everything else before that point was going so smoothly. That's a good point. Uh, so Burke, the slightly less jerk, ends up putting him back on the case, but puts him in charge of finding a rabbi. So that's kind of his punishment for like overstepping. He's like, fine. Okay, you know what? You're allowed on the case, but you got to find a rabbi to bless the patient. How do you find, just find a rabbi? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty in the city of Seattle. Like, it's not like Jewish people are like a like, rarity that you'd find in like one hot spot in America. I know, there's, I know that. <laughs> there's like, there's, you just like, I'm just picturing them like randomly like cold calling like rabbis. That's exactly like, <laughs> what he would have had to do is randomly yeah. cold call. There's, there's people for that. There's like, yeah, the doctor wouldn't have done that. There's he would have told somebody who was in charge of that section that needed to there's, get it done. If you don't think that they have a whole booklet of different people to phone mm-hmm. for different religions for different situations, then you're wrong. Because books like that do exist. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I think they do have to have it like on hand to There's lots of people who are like blessed on like their deathbeds and hospitals. So they do have a doctor video conferencing in on the surgery to help assist, which is actually where Dr. Yang's advice came in handy because they were talking about it earlier and like, they're like, I don't know how to do this. And Yang's just like, just like you would anybody else. Like when she talked to Dr. Burke, she's like, find somebody to teach you. So that was actually like a positive moment for Christina this episode. So those are kind of all my... My notes on Alex is he, he had a few up and downs this episode, but I think more ups than other than his mistake of telling the patient about the bovine valve before Burke. Yeah, he would, he didn't make any big like bonehead mistakes necessarily. Not in traditional Alex fashion. And not as big as he usually makes. I think the only one we have left then is Izzy. Okay, so Izzy has ends up switching with Christina to have psychic patients. <laughs> and she has a personal vendetta against psychics, as we'll see. So her role in this episode kind of starts off um, when she's trying to find out the missing ingredient for her cupcakes. And like the kitchen is just like littered with chocolate cupcakes, which I mean, Izzy is my dream roommate, to be honest. Bitch, I made you crepes this morning. Okay, yes. <laughs> she's this, you're a bench. You're essentially like Izzy, okay? But I mean, like, if we had third roommate move in and it was Izzy Stevens, she would she complain? She made you like, banana chocolate chip muffins like two weeks ago. <laughs> and I made you suffer last night. She's looking to get force in the mouth here. <laughs> I make you dinner too. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's kind of like a funny moment, too. Last night, like, I came home from um, my hockey game, and I think I was bugging Kenny and Shelby because they they mistimed how long to put the brown rice in the pressure cooker, and Kenny messed Shelby up on the ratios. He's like, no, it's a two-to-one ratio for the rice, even though in the pressure cooker it's one-to-one. So anyhow, the, the rice is more like porridge, and Shelby's like, you come here and you harass me when I slaved over dinner and she's like wait didn't you just put like a meat packet in boiling water 
<laughs> I should be saying, shut up. <laughs> I made food and it was edible. I'd like fair comment, by the way, to anybody listening who has an Instant Pot. The rice setting on the Instant Pot should be the button you click to make rice. You should not have to fendangle everything else. You should hit rice and it should work for rice. It's common sense. Brown rice is different. It always takes long. Like, I just do everything on high pressure. White rice, it's four minutes done. Brown rice takes 24 minutes on high pressure. It doesn't seem right. It's just like personal vendetta against brown rice. It, it wronged you, Shelby. It wronged you. Did me good. <laughs> so anyhow, um, so Izzy is in street, and she's still so like bitter about Psychic Guy. And she's ranting to it about Bailey, and she's just Bailey's like, just like, shut up at this point. Like, we get it. You don't like psychic guy. But Izzy gets on the case. And like she takes the psychic to CT and he mentions chocolate cupcakes. And she's like, Is it on my face? What is it? Like, what body language are you reading? Like, what did you get for like chocolate cupcakes? I love how much she's getting in her head this episode. And she looks freaked out. Back to when she's talking to Dr. Bailey about her patient and Ram, like, ranting about, like, him and, like, how psychics, like, just take advantage of people. Bailey says a line that is, essentially sums up Izzy's storyline in the entire series, which is, you get too involved with your patients, Izzy. I feel like someone says that to her every episode. You need to take a step back, girl. Like, you need to take a step back. Like, Christina's not involved enough, and Izzy is too involved. So Izzy's trying to get the psychic to, like, sign for the surgery. And then, like, explains it away. Like, he's, like, reading her body language. She always has, like, an excuse for, like, why he is picking up on these things. Until he calls her Cricket. Which we find out later is the nickname that her mom used to call her that nobody else knows. So this is the one where that she's kind of floored by because she's like, there's no way he could have read that off me. There's no way he could have had that information. She ends up talking to the patient before surgery and he's worried that his gift will go away if he goes through with the surgery. And like... He's very nervous, and I think this is actually the first time in this episode that Izzy handled the patient interaction well, because he was getting, the patient was getting very down on himself. Like, he was actually starting to doubt himself and his abilities. And for once, for once, Izzy wasn't trying to, like, prove a point. She was actually just taking care of him, as she should have been from the beginning. So I'm not going to give her too much kudos because up to this point, she was very poor handling this patient. We get uh, a little bit of Izzy background when she talks about growing up in a trailer park with her mother who was broken just through money at psychics and would come home with like all these stories. And so this is why Izzy has her personal vendetta. This is why she took it personally when this psychic came in and made those comments. He ends up later in the episode at the very end, telling her that the missing ingredient is one tablespoon of coconut extract, which he is correct about, and she ends up phoning her mom at, like, George's persistence. Uh, By the way, her mom having a psychic thing is 
uh, detail that Grey's Anatomy actually keeps around because when Izzy gets her cancer, spoiler alert, Izzy's mom mentions that she's consulting her psychic and they're like, he says you get better. You'll be okay. <laughs> and like when she comes to visit and Izzy's like, oh no. Oh no, just leave me alone. So yeah, that's, Izzy's definitely had like a rough upbringing. And is this the first time she mentions growing up in a trailer park? Yeah, I think this is the first time she specifically remembers mentions the trailer park she did mention that she didn't have like a very upright bringing or very rich upbringing um when she was talking about putting herself through med school via modeling mm-hmm. but she, i think this is the first actual mention of the trailer park so yeah so some good background on izzy there um those are pretty much all my comments other than i like that gray's anatomy like consistently crosses the line between like science i say that loosely and otherworldly stuff like um this or like when meredith died slash when like denny was uh, a ghost and yeah i like that they constantly like plant the seeds of like maybe there's something else but they don't like ever like focus on it all right does that mean we're at the time of the episode where it's I think we'll choose our favorite or Scott. Yeah, yeah. Like, who are, do we want to choose? Um, choose our person? person or put someone on Scott first. Um, I know who my person is. Oh, I didn't put enough thought into this, but I think I know who my person is. You guys go first. My person's Alex. Oh, you chose mine. I'll choose someone else. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Um, I just really liked his interaction with the patient. Um, it's kind of one of those complex in- situations where you have religion as a very important aspect of a patient, a patient's life, and he did really good um, incorporating that into her care. So I really, really, I really liked that. My person. Is Derek. I think because he stuck to his guns while treating the patient and ultimately it like led to the successful surgery, but mostly because I think it took a lot for him to open up to Meredith and to reveal like the other aspects of his life. I think that took a lot of like personal courage and personal growth to open up to Meredith in that way because it is risky with his personal uh, situation at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm going to put um Alex is my person again this week just because I do really genuinely enjoy um the way he's kind of going out of his comfort zone to try to find a fix for this patient and I mean you can say it's just because he wants surgery but I think he genuinely wants to find the proper way to go about things mm-hmm. um who are we who are we putting on on Scott I know I know mine can I say it no because I want to say I'm Christina <laughs> I'm putting Christina on Scott. (laughs) I don't know. Did you have the same person? I did. Yeah, I had Christina. Just because she's definitely not behaving professionally this episode. Poor patient etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. Christina, do better. Do better. You have it in you. Do better. Those are, those kind of my, I think that's all I have to say in this episode. We're going to be like recording the next one, like probably like pretty soon reading weeks like next next week (gasps) it's next week i need that um so we'll have a episode out more more soon than um the previous gaps we've had 
So, um, that, so please reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook or Gmail at pickmechoosemepodcastme at gmail.com. It is really appreciated and you have a chance to be on our podcast even. Or if you want to go on Anchor and leave us an actual voice message, we will include you on our podcast. Please, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave a positive review. Um, And until then, we want you to pick Pick me, me, choose me, me, podcast me. me. Because it is a beautiful thing to podcast.